Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. You know, it's important that we try to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. All the time. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? It means we get to help bring people back into a relationship with their heavenly father. That's the gospel. You don't have to live a life separated from God. You can live a life where you have connection where you're a part of a family, you've been adopted into his family, and that's the good news. And you don't have to do anything except receive the free gift of salvation because Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. That's an amazing invitation. I'm going to say that again. That's an amazing invitation. You get to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. He's wildly in love with you. He gave the most precious thing he ever, ever had in order to have relationship with you. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who was with him from the beginning. He was always there, and he gave his only begotten son. That's awesome, guys. I don't think we fully appreciate it. We go through the motions. You know, we're saved. We love Jesus, but we don't fully appreciate the awesomeness of that. There's an an aura of God being released, and the Holy Spirit is speaking. Even as Justin was bringing forth that message, I don't want to read the scripture that he was, one of them he was quoting from Matthew 11. It says, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. The yoke is uh, an agricultural term. It's when you put two oxen together so that they plow together. And Jesus said, be yoked with me together, side by side. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is so important. How many want to be disciples? A disciple is a student. A student is one who sits and learns from the teacher. Jesus is the ultimate teacher. We need to learn from him. He said, take my yoke upon you, meaning walk side by side with me. Strap yourself in where we can't, there's no separation. Strap yourself into this yoke with Jesus, and wherever he goes, you go. Not wherever you go, he goes. It's wherever he goes, you go. You got it? So take this yoke upon you, my yoke, and learn. Learn of me. 
I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How many would like rest in their souls? Free of anxiety, free of worry, fear. <clears throat> That's the invitation. And the invitation is to you and to your children and to all those near and far. And he's given us a great uh, ministry, he said. It's called a ministry of reconciliation that we get to share this good news. Not everybody receives it as good news. We're going to look at that in a minute. Turn with me to Galatians 2. I was preparing yesterday, I just felt the Holy Spirit just bubbling up this scripture in my spirit, and I felt like during the first service in worship, he kind of clarified what he was saying to me. But Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. How many can say that's true of you? I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. I hope it's all of you. <laughs> because that's what it means to be born again. To be born again, to be a follower, a disciple of Christ, means to put your faith, trust, and hope in his finished work on the cross. It's saying, God, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. I, I, I don't want to go my way. I want to go your way. When I say I'm yoked to Jesus and wherever he goes, I go, that means he's Lord. I don't go and say, Jesus, come with me, bless this. Jesus, come with me, bless that. He says, go here. Your obedience is blessed. Do you understand what I'm saying? He leads. We follow. We need to be his disciples. We need to learn of him. He's meek. He's gentle. <clears throat> He's powerful. He intercepted Saul on the road to Damascus, knocked him off his feet, and he humbled Saul. Saul was three days blind. There's nothing our God cannot do. There's nothing our God cannot do. So I have been crucified with Christ. This is a, 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 a revelation of the understanding that when he died on the cross, my old man died with him. When I put my faith in him, I, I said, I'm letting go of my old life. I choose to live for you. When you're baptized, you go under the water. Baptism is a outward manifestation of an inward reality. The outward manifestation is this old man in, our, in this body that we live in goes under the water and is dead and buried under the water. The, when you come up out of the water, you come up reborn. Born again, we call it. Into Christ, the new man lives. And so 
I've been crucified with Christ in baptism. I identify with his death. I go under the water. I'm dead. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And so from this point on, the life which I now live in this physical body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The just shall live by faith. He's called us to live by faith. I am struck with the reality of eternity. I have been gripped by this understanding that life is but a vapor. <clears throat> and that everything we do in this life counts. You know, we had Misty Edwards with us last week, and she made a statement that just resonated inside of me. She said, what if this whole life is the womb of eternity? You know, when you're formed in your mother's womb, it's a preparation time for being born into this world. But there's a whole lot of process that happens, and it takes approximately nine months. Uh, and after nine months, the baby is ready to be born and experience a whole new reality. And there's development that takes place in the womb. What if our whole life is about developing the character of Christ and preparing us for eternity? What if every decision we make actually has impact in the, in the, in the world to come? It, it kind of transforms the way you approach things. When, you know, we look at Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> someone slaps to you on the right cheek, you turn to the left, you give them your left also if they... <clears throat> If they force you to walk a mile with them, walk too. If they take your coat, offer them your shirt also. That's radical. If they, when they curse us, we bless them back. We don't respond in cursing. Every time we make these choices to do Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, to follow Jesus' teaching, to be his disciples, we're choosing to walk in a reality of a heavenly kingdom. You're not walking in the, in, the, in the earth realm at that point. I mean, you're walking in the earth realm, but you understand a deeper reality of, of heaven, of relationship with God, and of walking close to him. If Galatians 2.20 is to be true for us, if, if it's not I who live, but Christ lives in us, we have to put on Christ in everything we do. Turn with me to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is the, uh, the great faith chapter. It's kind of the hall of fame of faith. <clears throat> so I said in the first service, you know, faith isn't just something we apply in order to get things. Faith isn't, you know, name it, claim it, or uh, I need my, the rent paid, God, I have faith, and you come through. That's a small part of faith, believing God to meet all your needs. That's just, but faith is so much deeper than just faith for healing, faith for, you know, having your finances met, the different things that we, you need faith for. Sometimes you're walking, trusting the Lord, and he comes through. But faith is much deeper. Faith is a, is a complete, total trust and dependence on the Lord. 
that he's actually a good, good father and that we're his children, sons and daughters, and he's going to take care of us. He watches over us. He gives us wisdom and understanding, and he, he, we, we know we can depend on him. And when things aren't always working out our way, we know that we can trust God. We know he's going to work all things together for the good. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, beginning of verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of, the thing, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he, be, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken... He had this testimony that he pleased God. How many would like to have such a life where you walk in relationship with God, pleasing God that, you know what, I'm not going to wait. Just come on up now. <laughs> God just took him. He pleased God. Father, that we might all walk in a way that is pleasing to you. Verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is God and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to emphasize the word diligently is put in there for a reason. It's not okay to be a casual seeker. We need to seek God with all our heart with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind, right? Love him with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. He says, I, you know, you will seek me and you will find me when you look for me with your whole heart. Don't be casual. Verse 7, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world because of and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he, would which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose Builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age of childbearing, because she judged him faithful who had made the promise. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars in the sky in multitude, innumerable the sand in which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were 
strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out of, they would have had an opportunity to return there. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. In verse 13, it says, they, and they, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. There's a, there's a reality to our walk with the Lord where we understand that this life is just really a vapor. The older I get, the closer I get to being, maybe seeing that happen. <laughs> It's a reality. And so I'm 62, and probably I've lived most of my life already. I mean, you just look at, you know, what is it, uh, <coughs> longevity tables. God knows, but that's a reality, right? And and when I, if I look at the next 25 years plus whatever, maybe... God's strength, I know that's just, I look back at the last 25, and that was a vapor. I mean, that I blinked. My kids were little babies yesterday. <laughs> They're married. I have grandchildren now. It's, it's nuts, but it just feels like yesterday. And even people who are out there my age, how many agree? <laughs> you know, it just, you blink, and it's, it, it, it's, it's different. And, uh, but God is good. And this, this life is all preparation for the life to come. You know, God wants to bless us in this life. It's not like, uh, you know, you have to take vows of poverty. But sometimes you go through challenges and you can stop and get, you stumble over why, what's going on, et cetera, et cetera, instead of taking every challenge as an opportunity to show forth Christ. You know, this life is a moment. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4. The Bible says, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Every decision you make for Christ, you will reap the benefit of choosing righteousness. Every time we do the other way, you're going you're gonna to reap something that you rather not have. You want, you're going to be praying for crop failures. Uh, <clears throat> but this life matters. This life matters. And he's given us an opportunity to shine forth with the gospel. The same mercy that was extended to us in the gospel, he wants us to let that light come out of our lives, just to be evident to all who see it. All right. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning at verse 3. 
Paul's talking about this ministry of reconciliation, this good news that we get to share with people that you can be reconciled to God. How? Through Jesus Christ. He made a way for us to return into relationship with the Father. <clears throat> this is good news. And Paul says, but even if our gospel, which is this good news, is veiled or hidden, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine on them. Paul said, we don't preach about ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves his bondservants. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness and is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. I'm going to switch to the New Living Translation and pick up with verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves, we are fragile clay jars containing this amazing great treasure. We have Christ in us, like God resides in us. But the reality is, is we live in these jars of earthen vessels, if you will. This makes it clear that the great, this great power is from God, it's not from ourselves. And then Paul goes on to say, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, meaning there's times when you will not understand. He's talking to believers. We're pressed on every side by trouble, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. Sometimes we're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down but we're not destroyed. And through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Now, Paul is talking that he's out there preaching the gospel, but he's got a, he's got a high call. He, he understands his, his life. He, he's, he's fixed his gaze on eternity. And, and he, he knows what he's all about. So when he's He's, when he talks about being pressed and crushed, he's fixing his gaze on something greater. And so he, he's never in despair, right? He's not crushed. He's not in despair. He knows he's not abandoned. Verse 11, it says, yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he wrote, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. And he says, all this is for your benefit. And as God's grace continues through the preaching of the gospel to reach more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. And he says, this is why we never give up. This is why we never give up. Our gaze is, is knowing that there's an eternal reward, there's an eternal destiny, 
And I want to fix my eyes there. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying and our, our, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. I believe this present troubles means your life on earth. It's only on earth that you have resistance. It's only on earth that you have the opportunity to take offense. It's only on earth that you have to forgive people. It's only on earth, you know, that people treat you badly. It's only here. And then it's how you respond to each and every opportunity is going to make all the difference in eternity. For these present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Meaning what? Life's a vapor. Life's a vapor. We're going to appear before the judgment seat of, of Christ. Yet these troubles produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. A lot of you are going to say, how are these troubles producing anything? It's how you respond. Are you allowing the character of Christ to be formed deep in you? When you turn the other cheek, you're saying, God, I choose your way. I could strike this guy down right now, but I'm not. Because I'm letting my spirit man rule and I'm putting on Christ and I'm making no provision for the old ways that I used to operate in. So I'm turning the other cheek. When I'm being cursed out, I bless. That's choosing Christ. These things are going to last forever. These present troubles are small. They won't last long. Yet they will produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. This is faith. This is having faith in God. God, this is hard, but I trust you. I know you're a water of those who diligently seek you. I choose your way. For these things we see now will soon be gone, but the, th but the things we cannot see will last forever. Turn, with, turn over to chapter 5. Paul didn't make chapter breaks. He just kept going when he was writing. For we know when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave the earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on the new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he's given you his Holy Spirit now. So we are always confident. I want to say that again, so we're always confident. You can be confident in God. He is a sure tower. He is a strength in time of trouble. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by what we see. Yes, we're fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we would be at home with the Lord. 
So whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Everybody say, my goal is to please God. That has to be our goal. Our goal is to please him. For we, and here, here's the thing, guys. Verse 10. Highlight this in your, uh, on your phones and whatever Bible app you have or if you have a paper Bible, take out your marker. <laughs> Verse 10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. I said all. We must all. Say all. That's every one of us. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for good or for evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, look, none of us are justified by our good works. I, I don't want to confuse anybody. We're saved by grace. We're saved by the finished work on the cross, by faith in what Jesus accomplished on the cross and his shed blood that we get into heaven. But, you know, there's a, there's a heresy. Uh, it's, it's not new. It's been around for thousands of years that you can go on sinning because, you know, uh, as long as I keep sinning, grace abounds. Where, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. God's merciful to forgive. And some people give up in the fight against sin and just say, what's the use? I'm going to keep going and God will forgive me. Listen, I have compassion for people who are caught up in besetting sin. I, I want to pray with you, work with you, counsel with you, see deliverance, see you get free. But never give up in that just don't give in to, to, to sinful life, sinful activities. God is faithful. and it, Look, when we sin, he's faithful and just to, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. But there's something greater. There's a grace not to walk in that. He gives us an empowerment to walk in holiness and righteousness. And when we start to have a more, a, an eternal perspective, I, I truly believe that much of the fruit of our lives is cut short by the cares of this world. Jesus said, you know, when he gave the parable of the sower and the seed, he, he, he talked about seed that was thrown uh, along the path and right away the birds came and stole it. Some fell on thorny ground, and it, it took root, started to spring up, uh, but then the thorns started to choke it off. And in the interpretation, he said, you know, the cares of this life, the desires for other things, the deceitfulness of riches comes in and chokes the word so it doesn't bear much fruit or it even dies off completely. But he said, some seed fell on good ground and brought forth a crop 30, 60, and 100 fold. He clearly made a distinction. Some brought forth 30. Some brought forth twice that much, 60. Some brought forth a hundredfold. What we do in this life matters. We're saved. We're following God. Every decision we make for the Lord matters. There's actually books in heaven that are opened and, and, and the things are written with Misty touched on it last week. Was it in Micah where it said that the people began to encourage one another in the Lord and the books were opened and God started to write it down. And there's, there are eternal rewards. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. 
we will each receive whatever we deserve for good or evil we have done in our earthly bodies. We have an op- you have an opportunity right now just to be sold out for Christ, to, to make every decision that comes your way to, to be prayerful about it and just say, God, which way do you want me to go, right or to the left? When you're confronted with issues with, with people, and they will come, offenses will come, they have to come, it's, it's, it's part of the process. You know, when you have the opportunity to be offended, when you, when you cover that person with grace, say, God, don't hold this to their charge. Like, like Stephen being stoned. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. When we say, God, you know, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, not trying to say, oh, they know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, because that, that's the enemy actually operating in your head. You know, when God is telling you, forgive, let it go, and, and, and that voice in your head says, they, would, they did that intentionally. They did it on purpose or, or whatever. It, it's you're saying, no, be quiet, enemy. I'm not listening to that voice. God, forgive them. Extend grace to them. They don't know what they're doing. Have mercy on them. See, that's when you operate in the same spirit as your heavenly father. And that's, that's actually putting on Christ Jesus, making no provision for the flesh. But understand something. If this life is the womb of eternity. How you develop here is going to impact your life for all eternity. If this life is is that womb from which we will be born into eternity when we go to be with the Lord, how you develop here on earth is going to have an impact. When a baby is born premature, they often have some difficulties in this life, right? If their organs aren't fully formed, sometimes they survive, sometimes they don't. It's a challenge. Allow the process in this life to transform you. Choose Christ in in the difficulties, in the challenges. Choose Jesus. It will make a difference. Paul said, Should I go on sinning that grace might abound? And he answered that question and said, What? God forbid. There's so much more that God has. wants us to draw near. Can we all stand? In the worship in this service, I was asking, God, what do you want to do? What would you want me to say? I actually say, God, I don't want to, I only want to do what you're doing. I only want to say what you're saying. And I'm learning. I'm, 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 I'm finding my way with this. And so can you by asking the same questions, by asking the Lord. He loves you as much as he loves me. He's with you as much as he's with me. 
But you can ask, say, God, what do you say? What, what would you want me to do? What do you want me to say? I felt the Lord say, ask them to draw near. He wants you to draw near to him today. You know, when you love somebody, you want to be with them. You want to be near them. You actually want to hold them. That's how God feels about you. He wants to be near you. He wants to hold you. He wants to be very intimately close in, in a relationship with you, not afar off. He wants to be close. My middle son and his wife and my little granddaughter moved to Denver just recently. I miss having them close, and that's just a natural relationship. God misses having you close. Sometimes in our busyness, sometimes in our daily routine, we're just, we're not, we don't. But he said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. There's an invitation here this afternoon to draw near. I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes in a room. He's not a God who's far off. He's very, he's, he's, he's right here. He's right next to you. He's right, he's inside of you. And he wants to have deep, deep connection with you. So we're just going to take a moment. I'm going to ask the worship team just to lead us in a chorus of worship. But I want you just to Take this moment to draw near. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.